Chapter 2 I Had Enough I felt like a boxer who had been punched way too many times in the head, the sides, and the chest. I was having brain pain, heart pain, and feeling overall like I had had enough. I wanted to die. I simply wanted to end it all. I was beaten. I was I had been beaten by fate and by the people I was fated to be surrounded by. I didn't own myself. I was owned by the bank, the credit card companies, my bosses, the buyers from all the stores I had been tasked to sell to, and by my responsibilities as a husband and father. I was owned by fucking Italian food and chocolates. My life was dictated by them all. I was powerless, and I did not feel in control of my successes or failures. I also began to lose my temper over little things. I would be driving, and I would lose my cool with another driver or pedestrian. I would be at home, and if someone didn't respond to me right away, I would scream and demand respect. I had lost control of my anger, and it was only a matter of time before I got myself in trouble. But now... I didn't care anymore. I didn't care about anyone or anything. I was tired and I was knocked out cold in the final round. I can come up with a lot of metaphors over here. The bottom line, I had had enough. So I took the elevator to the top floor, the 42nd. I got off and then walked up the stairs to the roof. I went outside and I decided I would jump. Well... I didn't really decide I would jump. I was still thinking about it when I realized I was terrified of heights. I began to have an anxiety attack right then, and I felt as if I was walking through heavy water as I trudged my way back inside. In my mind, I was moving in slow motion, and I was dry crying. As I moved towards the door, all I could think about was that I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. The question I had was why the fuck did I want to live? My wife had been unfaithful, and I, in turn, had been unfaithful to her. I had lost my house to the bank and was living on borrowed time there. My bank account seemed to always be close to zero or actually overdrawn. I had no money saved, and I had no options to make enough to pay off taxes, credit card debt, or even rent an apartment. I was fat. My kids hated me, and I was a shitty father. I had no friends, and I had no siblings or parents who meant anything to me at all. Just as I was heading back to my floor in the building, my email alert sounded on my phone. I ignored it and continued to my desk. I was about to leave for the day. Then something happened. A company with a chain of over a couple of thousand stores was happy with their test results and would be sending me a purchase order to stock our goods for each location they had. It was the big sale. I was finally hitting the jackpot. I had been working, emailing, calling, and bullshitting strangers 8 to 11 hours a day for forever, answering emails 24 hours a day, in bed as I walked and as I took a piss, and other times I'd rather forget. I would write emails to prospects with witty asides, newsletters with great content, and send over gift cards. I would travel to visit them, coffee, donuts, and charisma. For some reason, things didn't seem to take. 
I had finally landed a deal that would solve most, if not all, of my problems. If the deal closed, the commission I would earn would be close to $40,000. Plus, it would get me a promotion and that private corner office. The agreements had been electronically emailed over and signed. All that waited was our company's legal team receiving the actual papers, the bank approving the payment terms, and official signatures from outside of the deal. Usually, these deals are simple, but when it's a $2 million deal, a lot of people get involved. This had occurred on a Wednesday, and it basically stopped me from wandering off into the sunset or wherever the F F train would take me. I had spoken to my boss about the increase in production and the time parameters. Let's get the PO in, sign it, and then we can strategize. I was too experienced to get overly excited about this, so I held back from mentioning it to anyone. On Friday, the day passed quickly and ended thankfully. Monday could not come soon enough. Hopefully, that's when the deal would be finalized. All throughout the weekend, I was nervous. I tried to act as if it were just another weekend, but it wasn't. How could it be? This was a life-changing event which would finally have me reaping the benefits of years of hard work. Major success had been avoiding me as if I were the plague. I had made some big deals in my career, but this one would catapult me to a corner office. No more sitting all day in a large room with acne-faced college kids who lived life as if the world owed them a corner office and a six-figure salary straight out of school. If this deal was to go through, I would suffer no more cubicle claustrophobia or depressed Sunday evenings dreading the work week ahead. Monday began at 4.30 in the morning that day. I was up most of the night counting the seconds and praying for time to speed up so I could finally get out of bed. I dressed in my finest suit, shirt, and tie, polished my shoes, found and wore a pair of socks with no holes. I was dressed and ready to leave by 5 o'clock. Unfortunately, the office didn't open until 8 o'clock, so once again, I had time to kill. I was sitting in the living room drinking coffee and watching TV when I heard my wife coming down the stairs. Why are you up so early, she asked me. I couldn't sleep, so instead of forcing the issue, I just got out of bed. She smiled a sad smile. She was still so pretty, even right out of bed. I smiled back at her. You look really good today, Freddie. Her phone vibrated and she put it in her pocket. Who was texting you so early? It was an email. I'll check it later. She responded quickly. Too quickly. I knew she was full of shit, but I didn't care at this point. Then she surprised me by asking if I wanted to kill some time as she took off her robe and pulled her nightgown up and over her head. Her body still had an intoxicating effect on me. Although we were going through a huge rough patch, I still loved her. I opened my arms and she fell into my lap. I felt she was up to something, but honestly, I didn't care. On the train ride over to work, I was apprehensive and couldn't focus on the crossword puzzle or any social media stuff on my phone. I wanted to get to the office already to take away any chance of this deal going south. I walked into the office with a sense that I was finally making my mark. When I was in other industries, there were times when I had thought I had hit the jackpot only to be let down by factors that were out of my control. 
In the past, I had brought in new companies, sold to retail outlets with hundreds of locations, opened up avenues with potential revenue streams, only to find all of these jackpots die lonesome, miserable deaths. When the merchandise did not perform well enough at the retail level and we were forced to eat markdowns, the fingers and the eyeballs came my way, as if I had the power to force the shitty retail stores to promote their merchandise correctly or to force the shoppers to overspend for a piece of shit product. Plus, I didn't dictate the costs. My boss did, and I just followed. My job was to sell and to give advice in-house to how we can adjust the products or packaging to have the shit sell better. If I mentioned cost, I was told that was not my concern. Well, it kind of is when my commission percentage is based on the margin. It became a recurring event each time I would make a sale. I would be pacing, smoking, and drinking until the commission arrived in my bank account. Sales died, sales went through, commissions were made, but the jackpots never took shape. I spent the next 15 years reinventing myself while all along using my salesman skills to keep afloat monetarily. This deal would change things and put me on the map once again. Then the phone call came in. Paul was fired, Fred. Your deal is dead. It was Paul's assistant. Why is the deal dead? Can someone else manage it? This deal is dead because the company is going through financial restructuring. Paul being let go apparently is just the beginning of the house cleaning. You are lucky to have not had the deal proceed because it would have crippled your company. So I am lucky? I am... I stood there in silence and felt my heart thumping. I put the phone down, sat down, and felt as if I were having a heart attack. I took some deep breaths, threw on my coat, and went to the bathroom to wash my face. I stared at myself in the mirror and barely understood how I had gotten to this point in my life. I was turning 50 years old, and I could not succeed in anything that I tried to do. I was on a losing streak and could not envision winning any time soon. I felt I was about to cry. I shut the water and dried my hands. I walked to the elevator and pressed the up button. This time I would do it. As I waited for the elevator to come, I looked around at the hustling going around and the fact that I had dedicated so many hours to this place, spent so much more time with these people than I had with my own family. I didn't even like these people. I pretended to like them and gave them the Freddy smile because I wanted them to like me and I wanted to like them. At home, I was virtually alone. At work, I was with a group of people and I craved acceptance from them. There was Artie. I was nice to Artie because he was in his 70s and was trying so hard to pretend he was in his 30s with a wardrobe and a comb over, which screamed 1956. I was nice to Carly because she was always nice to me. She was in her late 20s or so, and had something about her eyes that literally pulled me in. We never really spoke about anything beneath the surface, but I always liked speaking with her about office politics, gossip, and baseball. <clears throat> I was nice to Leah because she was an older lady who was nice to everyone and made sure each person had a cake on their birthdays. David was one of the asshole crew. He acted as if he was on cocaine or some sort of amphetamine. He would talk on the phone out loud and name drop and bullshit his way through each call. He would pace around the room and, and would lie to people without any compunction at all. 
He would also speak down to everyone in the office to try and elevate himself, especially in front of Gus, who was his department's head. Gus was the person I would have been leapfrogging had the sale gone through. I stood waiting for the elevator and it seemed to be stopping on each of the 32 floors below me. As I stood waiting, I felt as if everyone could see right through me, could see the pain I was feeling, could sense the tears that were fighting to spring out from my eyes. The elevator doors finally opened and out came Gus, out of all the people I least wanted to see. Gus was a top salesman for the past year, but had so far failed to live up to the Messiah label he boasted about. He was also the head asshole of the office. He had found a way to convince the board into believing that he possessed the skills to reverse the downward trend the company had been in for several years. He had worked for some high-profile companies in the past and threw those names around easily without ever mentioning why he had left or been forced to leave them. Gus was a bully straight from the halls of your local high school. He would always go after the most vulnerable ones he knew would not fight back. He would walk around the office, choose someone to pick on, and then move on his target. There was always talk about him stealing sales or accounts from other people. I took that as jealousy on the part of the other salespeople, since I could not conceive how that would be possible. He didn't like me because I never let him win at his game. I simply didn't take shit from him, and that only made him dislike me even more. He would stand by my desk asking me personal questions whose answers I would not elaborate on. This morning, he was on a roll and seemed to be in a better mood than usual. Hey there, Artie, nice tie you're wearing. He turns to see if the audience is listening. Was it a Woolworth special? Silence, possibly because none of his fans know what or who Woolworth was. Tell me something, are you planning on making the company any money soon? He looks around the room, seeing if anybody's laughing with him. No one was. The cat deal really put us on the mat, Ar- The cat deal was a catalog deal that Artie had brought in and managed for 30 years and put the company on the map in the catalog market. Gus, I made more money in my first month here than you did in your first year, Artie said. How long ago was that? It's all about what have you done for me lately, Art. I have renews each month, which generate enough profit and revenue for them to be in the top five each quarter. I don't even know why I am answering you. Gus looked around, then he looked towards my desk. I could tell he had something up his sleeve. He had been casting doubt on this deal from the beginning. If it wasn't his, it couldn't be real. He was a weasel, a thief, and the king of the pretenders. He would sell his mother if it meant he would get accolades from the board or anyone for that matter. Hey, where you going, Fred? The big deal closed already? Fucking anteater smile. Why didn't I go into the elevator when I was here? I am going to get a cup of coffee. I felt myself getting hot and my skin turning red. Come sit down. Let's discuss this deal. I need to buy some champagne, huh, Fred? He was looking around with no one looking up at him. How did it come about? Was it an old friend or something? The deal is dead, Gus. He burst out laughing as if it were a joke he was playing on me. Some sort of perverse practical joke. Why are you laughing? He kept on laughing and people began to watch and gather. Why are you laughing, Gus? He kept laughing. 
and his minions, included David and other interns, began to laugh along with him. Why are you laughing? In my mind, I added, you fucking ant-eating piece of shit. It was all a joke, Fred. There was no deal truly in place. Do you think we would allow you to handle that magnitude of a deal? And the way you are dressed today, it's all too funny. As his laugh grew harder, so did the laughter from his minions. I was livid. Whose idea was this joke? I heard several gusts, and then Gus said, It wasn't only me. Sam and Billy were involved also. Also, Paul from Blah Blah Company. He wasn't fired. He was guffawing now and bent over in laughter. The older salespeople were either silent or walking away. Carly and Leah were both at their desks on the phone, pretending not to see what was going on, while Sam and Billy walked slowly towards us as they spoke to each other. Why would you do such a thing to a grown man, Gus? Is this a hazing ritual that you do to anyone who you feel threatened by? You're fucking weasel. Do you know what it's like to actually generate money? Or you only know how to kiss ass and pretend so the board thinks you have more of an impact than you actually do? Last month, I brought in 75% of the sales. What did you do? I don't have to answer you. Actually, you do, Sam interrupted. What do you mean? Here's a new boss. Gus is the new chief of sales. I didn't know how to react or what to say. I needed the money, but I couldn't continue in this job. I couldn't leave it either. What were my choices? Everyone, come into the conference room, please. We have some announcements to make. As if on autopilot, I went into the conference room and sat stone-faced as promotions were announced and accomplishments applauded. I sat there and fell into a blank I fell into a black hole daydream. This was a moment in my life that I wish I could erase. This was a moment in my life that I wished I could erase. I had difficult times in my life, but this was the orgasm of all the pent-up frustrations. I had been selling products that I tried hard to convince myself were the best things since the iPod. Facing my self-worth on my last quarter sales. I was selling wind in a wind tunnel, yet I continually found a way to sell them. You know you need to believe in this shit in order to truly sell it with confidence, so you drink the Kool-Aid and you force yourself to believe. You find yourself in front of a reflection. You look at yourself. You dress the part of a salesman. You cut your hair short and you shave each day. You practice your smile in front of mirrors. You haven't even truly recognized that reflection smiling back at you in years. You have put on so many different masks and wore so many hats over the years that nothing seems to fit you anymore. You sit in on meetings with your bosses. They begin with compliments and small talk without truly hearing your responses. Then they begin to act as if you aren't working hard enough. So you tell them your numbers and they agree that they are good, but that they want to see more. Come for drinks with us after work. Come to the Schwitz with us. It's important to get close to your co-workers. Okay, sounds like a good idea, you say with a smile. But you know the last thing you want to do is to sit in the steam room or pool or whatever the hell you do at a Russian bathhouse with other men, let alone these people. 
You want the money, but you don't want to have, you don't want to have to play the game of late nights, drinks on the house, and brown nosing. I hated this business, and I hated these people. So why was I devoting all my time and life to this business to make some money? Couldn't there be a better way? Sam stood up and began to speak. I could barely look at him or zone in on what he was saying, since I was still in shock about what had just happened on my big sale. I will be setting, stepping down as head of sales and remaining on as a consultant and the vice president of product innovation. Without further ado, we would like to introduce our new chief of sales, Gus Ballinger. Applause and a couple of hear hears. Well, thank you. Thank you. He began to laugh. <laughs> Finally, he paused and spoke. Let's hear it for Freddie for providing the entertainment this morning. Everyone clapped and there was scattered laughter. I looked around and I saw Leah looking at me with an understanding look on her. She mouthed, ignore him to me. The meeting ended and I mouthed, thank you, to Leah. She smiled and went back to her desk. Gus looked at me and said, Fred, sit down here. I want to talk to you. So I want you to know that you're on probation. This has nothing to do with this morning, or let me rephrase that. This morning was just a symptom for the work you for the way you work. You come in, you make coffee, you flirt with the girls, you bullshit with everyone, and finally you get to your desk. I get in before anyone is in the office, and I bring in my coffee. I am by my desk all day long, unless I am stretching my legs, taking a leak, or going to lunch. Listen, we can argue or we can plan a strategy to get your sales up. I want you here every day at 8 o'clock in the morning. And if you are late, it will cut into your lunchtime. I also want you to make 100 cold calls every day and document each of them in Salesforce. Out of those calls, I want 50 reaches. You will stay in the office each day until you have completed your task. 50 reaches? How do you expect me to call? This is not a discussion. These are your orders. Come on, walk with me. We walked towards my desk and he pointed to my chair. You see this? This chair you sit in is worth a lot more than you are bringing in. So it's either you do as I say or you find another job. Everyone was pretending not to notice what he was doing to me. He was using me as an example, and it grated on me. I know he wanted me to quit right then and there. I would not give him that satisfaction. Okay, sounds fantastic. This isn't personal, Fred. This is business. Of course, I understand where you're coming from. And hey, congrats on the new gig. I wanted to beat the shit out of him, but I didn't want him to see that he had beaten me. I'm going to grab some lunch. I'll be back. I needed to leave before I said something or did something I would regret. He leaned closer to me as I put on my jacket. Also, why don't you go across the street and buy some new clothes? You have stains all over the place. Get a haircut, a shave, clean yourself up. I turned around and stared at him for several seconds. I couldn't hold back anymore. I see through you, Gus. I said in a whisper with a smile on my face. I see through your posturing. You may have fooled them, but you don't fool me. Who was the one with the shiny new promotion? Raise and big office. I kept quiet. I walked out and muttered, perhaps a little louder than I intended. Go fuck yourself. I made a beeline to the elevator. Carly ran to me. Freddy, let's speak. 
What's up, Carly? Let's take the elevator down and get some coffee. We took the elevator down in silence, got to the lobby, walked outside down the street and into the Bean on 12th and Broadway. We got our coffee and sat down at a table in the back. What's up? I asked her. I'm sorry about what just happened with Gus. He is such a conniving asshole. I know. I tried so hard to not, not to let him see me get pissed off, but I sort of lost it at the end. I give you credit, but Freddy, there is more to the story than you know. Which story? You didn't lose the deal, Fred. It was stolen from you. <laughs>